1990, a painting by the Dutch artist Vincent van Gogh sold at auction for more than $80 million, the equivalent of more than $160 million today. At the time, it was the highest price ever paid for a painting. All told, to date, well over a billion dollars has been spent on Van Gogh's work. And all this for an artist who not only lived a life of poverty, but chose a life of poverty. A man who wanted to live a humble life, close to nature and close to ordinary working people, especially those who worked in the fields, on farms in the countryside. He wanted to paint them and at the same time to paint for them. He imagined his work hanging not only in the salons and museums of Paris, but also in fishing boats and in the homes of peasants. He wanted to sell paintings to make a living, but even more, he wanted to change painting itself into something new. In 1890, the same year he painted that portrait that would sell for $80 million a century later, Vincent's younger brother Theo sold one of Vincent's paintings, The Red Vineyard, a portrait of a group of men and women working in a vineyard field at sunset, drenched in the rich reds of autumn. It's one of a small handful of works that actually sold during Vincent's lifetime. He made nearly 900 paintings, and sold just a few. The Red Vineyard went for 400 francs, somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 of today's dollars, 900 paintings, and virtually all of them unsold. There was some admiration here and there from other artists, but nothing like he'd hoped for. Six months after the sale of the Red Vineyard, exhausted, discouraged, and struggling with his mental health, Vincent took his own life, considering himself a failure, not only as an artist, but as a Christian minister and missionary. His father was a pastor, and the young Vincent set out to follow in his footsteps, pursuing theological studies and then missionary training, and was eventually appointed, at the age of 26, as an evangelist. But just six months later, he was dismissed for what was deemed to be his lack of preaching ability. And so, Having failed in his efforts to be a pastor and a missionary, Vincent decided to become an artist, to preach not with words, but with color and light. To understand Vincent van Gogh and his extraordinary body of work is to see him through this lens, his passionate attempts to serve and love the world through his art and to do so in ways shaped at every turn by his faith, and in particular, by the Bible. As it turns out, seeing in this way through Vincent's eyes can also help us understand the Bible in the first place, to catch sight of its depth and beauty, its color and light. But wait a minute, didn't Vincent reject the church that rejected him? Didn't he turn away from faith and God and scripture and turn toward the arts and literature and Japanese Buddhism instead? That's a common view of Vincent's life story. And so that's where we'll start this series, with one of his early paintings often interpreted in this way. The painting's entitled, 
Still Life with Bible. The Gospel according to Vincent begins there. I'm Matthew Meyer Bolton, and this is Strange New World, a show about understanding the Bible for skeptics, believers, and everybody in between. But before Still Life with Bible, let's look at another of Vincent's early paintings, The Potato Eaters. If the Red Vineyard is a portrait of men and women working in the fields, the Potato Eaters pictures them at home, around a dinner table. Van Gogh wrote that he used a color palette inspired by unpeeled potatoes to signify the family's full communion with their labor and its fruit. Like many of his contemporaries, both in Europe and in the United States, Vincent was deeply concerned about the sweeping changes caused by the Industrial Revolution, the rise of cities and factory work, and the growing distance from the rhythms and beauties of the natural world. Vincent wanted to paint human beings living close to nature, in communion with nature. This was the life he wanted to portray and encourage, and also the life he wanted to live. In a letter to Theo, he put it this way, I tell you, I consciously choose the dog's path through life. I will remain a dog. I shall be poor. I shall be a painter. I want to remain human, going in to nature. Not a proud self-reliance then, but rather a humble reliance on the blessings of creation, a humility and grace exemplified more by a poor farmer, as Vincent saw it, than by an affluent, supposedly respectable city dweller. His overall aim in the potato eaters is to convey, as he put it to Theo, that those people eating their potatoes in the lamplight have dug the earth with those very hands they put in the dish, that they have thus honestly earned their food. It's like when the devil tempts Jesus in the wilderness, attempting to lure him into taking actions that imply either a lack of trust in God, a lack of respect for God, or both. First, the devil says, after 40 days of fasting, you must be hungry. But, I mean, you're the child of God, right? So why not take this stone and turn it into bread? In response, Jesus quotes the old story of the Israelites wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, the humbling journey in which God teaches the people to trust, so they might learn that no one lives by bread alone, but rather by the continual blessings of God. Jesus understands, in other words, why the Spirit has led him into the wilderness, to humble him, just as the Israelites were humbled and turning stone into bread would presumptuously cut the journey short. Remember, Jesus is the child of God and also the child of humanity. And here he exemplifies the genuine human way of life, relying on God's generosity. Likewise, when the devil tempts him to worldly power, just bow down to me and all this can be yours, and then finally goads him to test God by throwing himself from the top of the temple to see if the angels will come and save him, Jesus sees through the smoke and the mirrors to what's really going on. 
In effect, through each of these temptations, the devil invites Jesus to abandon trust in God and to imagine instead that he can trust in himself alone for nourishment, for empowerment, and finally, for security. Boiling all this down, we can put it this way. The devil invites Jesus to step away from his full humanity, to make bread from stone like a god, to bow down to the devil like a demon, and most outrageous of all, to test God's love, to put himself in the place of God's examiner, like a child who runs out into traffic to test whether or not his parents really love him. Three times the devil tempts Jesus to abandon his humanity. Three times Jesus refuses, insisting that what it means to be human is to rely on God, to live in communion with God as beneficiaries of divine blessings. For Vincent van Gogh, this kind of humble, graceful, fully human life in communion with creation is best exemplified by the field workers in the Red Vineyard, or the family gathered around the table in the potato eaters. And for his part, in his own ministry as a missionary and later as a painter, Vincent chose to live a modest life, like a kind of friar a monk who lives among ordinary people in the world, to be poor, to be a painter, to remain human, going in to nature. All of which brings us back to Vincent's early painting, Still Life with Bible. On a bitterly cold night in March of 1885, Vincent's father, Reverend Theodorus Van Gogh, after a pastoral visit in a nearby town, walked some five miles home, alone, through the icy wind and blowing snow. When at last he arrived, he collapsed, suffered a stroke, and died. He was 63 years old. The next month, Vincent painted Still Life with Bible. In the center of the picture, his father's Bible is propped open on a table with an extinguished candle standing behind it, likely a symbol of death and loss. And in the foreground is another smaller book, a well-worn copy of Emile Zola's novel La Joie de Vivre, The Joy of Living. Now, some have interpreted this painting as if it declares a turn away from Vincent's Christian upbringing and toward modern literature and an emphasis on the enjoyment of life. But look closer. The Bible is open not just to any page, but to Isaiah 53, the passage where the prophet proclaims how God's salvation will take place through a suffering servant, a mysterious figure Christians traditionally identify with Jesus. And the title of Zola's novel, as Vincent knew well, is a piece of literary irony. The novel's heroine, Pauline, is an orphan who undergoes a life full of adversity and harm, a modern icon, as Van Gogh saw it, of living as a suffering servant. 
In a letter to his sister, Vincent wrote, I myself am always glad that I have read the Bible more thoroughly than many people nowadays, because it eases my mind somewhat to know that there were once such lofty ideas. But because of the very fact that I think the old things so beautiful, I must think the new things beautiful with all the more reason. For Vincent, there's no disjunction between Scripture and the best of modern literature, the old things and the new, but rather a deep kinship, a deep resonance between them, if we have ears to hear and eyes to see. The way of Christian faith, the way of life, includes both suffering and joy. To follow Jesus is to follow the suffering servant, and that path includes difficulties and losses. The way of love and justice always does, even as it includes plenty of blessings and joie de vivre. This wisdom is as ancient as the prophets of old, and as current as the best novelists and poets today. The Spirit is at work everywhere, in the old things and the new. That is the central meaning of still life with Bible, Van Gogh's thoughtful, heartfelt tribute to his father, a man with whom he had a troubled relationship, but at the same time a man Vincent admired, whose footsteps he once set out to follow. And in his own way, Vincent was following those footsteps, preaching with paint, with color and light. The signature of God's love, the saving grace of the suffering servant who rescues the world with humility and kindness, for Vincent, that divine signature can be glimpsed in Scripture, in Isaiah 53, or in the Gospels as Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, and also in art, in the brilliance of a beloved novel, in the unpeeled potato palette of a family gathered around a table, or in an image of farm workers in a vineyard awash in the red tones of sunset and autumn. In scripture, in art, and also in our lives, in a modest, unpretentious servant, sometimes suffering, sometimes joyful, who sets out on a pilgrimage through the wilderness, seeking not thousands or millions or a billion dollars in sales, but rather consciously choosing to be poor, to be a painter, to remain human, going in to nature, a pilgrimage into the world with all its shadows and light, suffering and joy, following the way of love all the way to Easter morning. The Gospel According to Vincent is a mini-series by Strange New World, a SALT Project production, written and produced by me, Matthew Meyer Bolton, with help from Elizabeth Meyer Bolton, music by Blue Dot Sessions. If you like what you hear, spread the word and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and drop us a line at community at saltproject.org. We'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to go deeper, SALT has a devotional called Vincent van Gogh and the Beauty of Lent, which includes more details, activities, links to the paintings, and more. You can find it in the store at saltproject.org. 
Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Thank you.